Welcome to Celebration Church's podcast. We hope this helps you to know God better and trust Him more. To learn more about Celebration Church, please visit us at celebrationchurchlive.com. You know, we've been in a series talking about, you know, try this at home. And home should be your home base for everything. Your scriptural growth, your spiritual growth, your time in the Lord begins at home. Amen? It's not just once on Sunday morning. It's every day. When we come here on Sunday, it should be a celebration and a culmination of everything you've learned through the week. Amen? Amen. Uh, Home should be the base. It should be the base. It's a place of preparation. Home is a place of preparation. How your day goes begins at home. How your week goes, how your life goes begins at home. God, good days begin with God days. I was thinking about this. My good days, my best days have began with God time, spending time with Him, spending time. You know, I, every morning I have a, it's my study time when I get up, I study. But we're not done. Laurie and I, you know, we talk about what we've learned through the day, and a lot of times at night, right before the news comes on, we're still listening to somebody preach. We're still just filling ourselves because I found that my life goes better that way. Amen? It's a time in your home. It's a time of remembrance. It's time to remember all the good things that God has already done for you through Jesus and what he's doing for you today. And I want to talk about that. That's kind of my theme today is remembering. And I'm going to start out with a story. And some of you are going to think, this can't be right. It is. And I'll prove it with a picture toward the end. Back in, well, what started this, I had a call from a game warden I used to work with, and he starts texting me one night, and he's, he says, Steve, you remember when we did this? Do you remember when we did that? And I, I'm texting him back and forth, and finally he just has to call me because there's so many stories, and there's so many good memories, and we're just remembering. So we talked for an hour, and it reminded me in 1993, I had one of my best days, maybe the best day, as a game warden, and it started out at home because I had uh, I had checked a camp, a deer camp down on the the west side of the Eagle Mountains. It's kind of a remote area, and the guy running this camp, he was just very distracting. You ever been around some of those people that you get through talking to them, you just feel like you need to go shower off? You know, just they're just too gooey. That, that's the way this guy was, and I thought, man. They're doing something wrong, but there's so many of them in there, and they got me distracted. I know I missed something. So I went home. I worked on my strategy. How am I going to get into this camp before they know I'm there? And then I'm going to find out what they're doing wrong. So anyway, I had a call from a game warden out of El Paso, Mike Legaretta. Mike said, can I come ride with you? And I said, yeah, come on. We're going to get into some stuff tomorrow. Well, we get up early. We go down, I slip into this camp, and I start looking around when nobody's there, and I find violation after violation after violation, just what I thought. The guys show up. We get to greet them with a bunch of citations. It, it was wonderful, you know, and the first one I wrote was the guy that was giving me all the, the gooey feeling. So anyway, I could have quit right there. That was a good half a day. I mean, I was happy. I could have just went home after that and been satisfied, but God had more 
God had more. So we're driving back up into Sierra Blanca. It's 35 miles of dirt road from the border up to Sierra Blanca. And I look up the road, and here's these two guys walking up the road. And I told Mike, I said, those guys don't belong. They're not illegal aliens. They're not anybody local. I knew everybody in the country. I said, those are the guys that bailed out of the stolen car at the checkpoint last night. Two guys had driven into the Border Patrol checkpoint. They jumped out and got out on foot. Border Patrol lost them during the night. Well, here they are. I knew it, I knew it was them. So we jump out. We put the, the rest on them. They were, didn't give us much fight because they were tired. They'd been walking all night, half the day. Get them into the jail, and we find out they're escaped convicts out of South Carolina. So it's just a, man, and you know, another good thing. God just continued to bless me. Well, while we're at the jail booking them in, they call me from the dispatch office, and they say, hey, they need you over at the courthouse. I said, what's going on? They said, well, that little traveling carnival that come through town, yeah. Well, their leopard got out. Their leopard escaped. I said, you're kidding me. You can't even make this stuff up. You know, so me and Mike and the government trapper, we go over there, and sure enough, this leopard had got out, and he had run across the street under the football stadium, and there's a, an arroyo that runs right behind the, the visitor side of the stadium, and it's a lot of brush, and so that leopard, he's in the brush, and he's very unhappy, and he's very unhappy to see us. And the thing can hurt you. I don't know if y'all ever looked at one, but they can hurt you. But the trainer for this leopard, he brought two pounds of hamburger meat with him, and he said, I think... We throw him the hamburger meat, get him distracted, and then we'll slip the noose around it. We had a catch pole like you catch a dog with. It's real smart. And uh, <laughs> anyway, so we throw him this meat, and this thing, it's just like in the TV, you know. I mean, he lets out a growl. It sends shivers up your spine. And the highway patrol, he's up on the stadium above us with a shotgun. He'd have killed all of us if he had shot. <laughs> but he wasn't going to get down there where it was. So anyway, this leopard pounces on the meat. He starts eating it, and Gary Scarborough, the trapper, he slips up there, and he gets that noose around his head, and he pulls back on the rope, and the rodeo is on. And, I, and one thing about cats, they choke real easy. They suffocate quick. So he's pulling on that, and we're waiting for it to kind of slow down. The cat starts to pass out, and Mike and I grab him. We run back across the street. They had his cage ready, and right before we put him in his cage, you have to take a picture, right? You got that? Maybe. There we go. That's me in the middle. That's Mike on the right and Gary Scarborough on the left, and the leopard's upside down on his back. I mean, he's about dead at this point, but he, he survived. For all you animal lovers, he survived. So it happened. I'm not just making this up. All right. So we, man, we, we break up. Mike heads back to El Paso, and this is just... I'm satisfied with this day. And I go home, and I hadn't been home maybe 30 minutes, and I get a call from a guy that was not a friend of mine. This is a guy that he keeps telling everybody, I hope somebody kills Steve this deer season. I hate that guy. He had not a good reason. He did have his reasons for hating me, but they weren't good. <laughs> but anyway, but he was smart enough not to say I'm going to kill him because he knew what was coming next. But uh, anyway, he says, hey, one of my deer hunters drove by. There's a camp in Alaska, Arroyo, 
and they had a big camp there, and they had killed a doe. Well, out in that country, it's mule deer season only, and you can't kill does because there's not that many mule deer. Well, not knowing whether it's a setup or it's the truth, you know, I went by, I picked up a deputy to go with me. I go out there, I find this camp, and there's like 15 guys there. And just talking to them briefly, I knew that the information was good. And it took me an hour of interrogating them and interrogating until they finally said, I give up. We buried the doe. It was like 100 yards from the camp, buried it in the arroyo, got the doe, made the case. Best day ever. Best day ever as a game warden. But, you know, it started at home. I had to think about it, thinking, you know, this is how I'm going to do this. This is how I'm going to do that. And then God just took it from there. In your life, it starts at home. If you let God in, he'll show you the next step. What you think is really good, he'll make better. Amen? Philemon, chapter 1, verse 1 says to Philemon, our beloved friend and fellow laborer, to the beloved Aphia, Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in your house. All of our houses should be like a church. Our house should be like a sanctuary. That's where we grow from. That's where we grow from. And they did this back then. The early church went from house to house to house. And one thing we're going to see, that they took communion from house to house to house. It was important. It was important to remember what Jesus had done. In Acts 20, verse 20, says, this is Paul speaking. He says, I kept back nothing that was helpful but proclaimed it to you and taught you publicly and from house to house. See, today, it's publicly. We're speaking to you this morning publicly, but when you go home, it's from house to house. It's to your family, your friends, your neighbors. Amen? It's remembering what Jesus did. In Romans 16, 3, it says, Give my greetings to Priscilla and Aquila, co-pastors, First woman and husband, wife and husband, pastors. Way back, early century. And, and the interesting thing about Priscilla and Aquila, out of the six times mentioned in the Bible, she's mentioned first. Usually they mention the man first. It leads me to think that she was the prominent minister of that place. She's a wonderful couple. Paul lived with them while he was establishing the church in Corinth. They shared the gospel. The gospel spread from their home. The gospel should be spreading from our home. In Acts uh, 2, 42, it says, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. Including the Lord's Supper. It's very important that we don't leave that out. The Lord's Supper is a time, and you're going to hear this from me over and over, and I'm going to explain some things about the Lord's Supper. It's a time to remember what Jesus did, and you should take it often. Meeting and remembering. And then in Acts 20 and verse 7, it says, On the first day of the week, we gathered with the local believers to share in the Lord's Supper. Paul was preaching to them, and since he was leaving the next day, he kept talking until midnight. We're meeting to have communion. And oh, and by the way, Paul will be preaching. Paul, the guy that wrote half the New Testament. But you know, the importance here, we're meeting to have communion. And oh, by the way, Paul will be there. 
I mean, they placed importance on communion. Communion, it's a time of celebration. It's a time of celebration. You don't have to wait and do it here at church. We have communion cups. You can take them home. You don't have to have a pastor present. You don't have to have a priest present. It's for you to do and remember. It's renewing your mind to what Jesus has done. That's what it's about. You can and should do it regularly. When I grew up, uh, I grew up in a church that it was, it was pretty, I don't know what the right word, it, pretty uh, into the law, I, I guess I should say, you know. And, you know, if, if you sinned, God was fixing to whack you with a hammer. And if the big thing on the communion was, you know, they'd always tell you, examine yourself. If you got any sin in your life, don't take this because the judgment of God's going to fall on you. Well, I can't tell you the number of times they'd come by with a communion cup. Mm-mm, I don't want none of that. I know I got sin in my life. And I'm sure my parents were probably looking at me like, what's he been doing? And I'm sure everybody was looking at everybody else because there was a lot of people who wouldn't take it because they were in fear that this judgment's going to hit them because they had sin. Well, you know what? Praise God. God's not holding our sin against us. Man, you got to know that. you got to know that through the grace and the beauty of what Jesus did at the cross, our sins are not held against us. That doesn't mean you go out there and sin. If you do, you're missing the point. But you should be so thankful and so grateful you don't want to be involved in that. Amen? Amen. You know, at that time, I didn't understand righteousness. I didn't understand that Jesus made me righteous, not my actions. Believing in what he did made me righteous. God sees you as a king, priest, a child, a joint heir with Jesus. You are worthy to take communion. You're worthy to take communion if you're a believer. Amen? Man, hang on to that. Hang on to it. First Corinthians, this is what I really want to get into because there's so many misconceptions about communion and what it's about. In 1 Corinthians 11, 20, it says, When you meet together, you are not really interested in the Lord's Supper. And this is Paul basically chewing the Corinthians out. He said, Some of you hurry to eat your own meal without sharing with others. As a result, some go hungry while others get drunk. And what was happening, they were showing up. Some people would show up early. They'd eat all they want, drink all they want. Some were getting drunk. Some of them were just being gluttons. They made it like a common meal. They weren't looking at the purpose of the Lord's Supper. They weren't taking it to heart and saying, I'm purposely choosing to remember what Jesus has done for me. That's what it was about, and that's where they were missing it. Instead of a time of reflection and remembering, it was just a time of gluttony and drunkenness. Totally wrong, totally messed up. In 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three, this is really interesting what Paul says. He says, For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. See, Paul, he wasn't one of the 12 disciples. He wasn't at the Last Supper. Paul came along later. His conversion was later. But he says he received direct revelation from Jesus himself about communion what it means. And so I think it's worthwhile for us to look at it. It says, uh, On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, 
This is my body which is given for you. Do this to remember me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. Do this to remember me, to remember we have a new covenant, a new way of living based on the blood of Jesus, that we've been made righteous. Our sins are not counted against us. And he goes on to say, For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you're announcing the Lord's death until he comes. Who are we announcing the Lord's death to? To each other, because we have life now in him. But it's also to the principalities and the powers of darkness you're, you're announcing to that kingdom that, hey, I know Jesus won. I know he defeated you. He has triumphed over you. He has taken back the keys to the kingdom, and you have no authority over me other than what I allow into my life. Amen? That's what it's about. Jesus also, he made a distinction between the bread and the cup. There's a separation See, the, the church I grew up in, they just lumped it all together. You know, we'd take the bread, we'd take the cup, say, oh, your sins are forgiven. You know, go your merry way. That's not all of it. Jesus purposely separated that out. His, the bread represents his body that was broken for us. That's what the bread represents. His body was broken for you. The cup represents his blood that was shed for you. If you go back, you know, Jesus referred to uh, the bread or healing as the children's bread. That's what he said, healing, the children's bread. I like to go back into Isaiah 53. It talks about that Jesus, he carried our sicknesses and our pains on his body. And he was chastised for our peace. That word peace is the word shalom, and it means nothing missing, nothing broken, completeness, wholeness, prosperity. He did it all, and then right after that, and by his stripes, by the stripes he bore on his back, you are healed. Amen. That's what the bread is for. Even, you know, in the, in the New Testament, in the Greek, the word sozo, which we, it means saved. Saved, saved. You know, that word is an all-encompassing word, but it also, it means not only that you're forgiven, you know, you're preserved for heaven, but you're healed. That, that's all, you know, it's, it's so rich. But if you don't know that, you can't partake of it. You know, you know, if you don't know, you just can't receive. You've got to know these things. And then, uh, you know, in Acts 10, it says Jesus went around healing all who were oppressed of the devil, all who were oppressed. He saw sickness as oppression. You know, he dealt with sickness as a spiritual battle. When you take communion, that's really what we're doing. We're, we're announcing to the spirits. We're, we're announcing to ourselves. We're renewing our mind to what Jesus has done. And we get it into our heart and we believe it. We can walk in it. Amen. We can walk in it. I, I look back in uh, Genesis 3. You know, when Adam and Eve sinned, you know, first they covered themselves with fig leaves and hopefully they were big ones. I would assume they were. But they... Uh, when they sinned, it says that God clothed them with animal skins. 
God did. So God must have slain the first animals. And I wasn't, hadn't thought about this too much till the other day, and I was thinking, okay, there was blood from those animals when God skinned them to put clothing on them. That blood atoned for their sins. So there was a blood sacrifice for the very first sins. Amen. And this goes, this goes way back. God has been doing this for a while. See, blood signifies that a death has taken place. For us, that means everything because now we get to new, live in a new life, a new way of living because of the blood of Jesus. When Cain killed Abel, y'all remember that story? Cain killed his brother Abel, and then God comes to him. And he says, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Blood has a voice. See, I, I believe when Jesus' blood hit the ground, it was crying out. But where Cain's or Abel's was probably crying for vengeance, Jesus' blood wasn't. It was crying mercy, grace, righteousness, justification, sanctification, holiness, made right. You're okay. That's what Jesus' blood cried out. And it's for everyone that will believe it. His blood paid the penalty for our sins. His blood. So we take the cup because it represents his blood and what it's done for us. In Ephesians 1, 7, says he is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. I would encourage you all to read through Ephesians often because Ephesians is, is like in past tense. And just like right here, with the blood of his son, he forgave our sins. It's done. It's done. It's done. So now we're going to get to a part for a bunch of you. I had a conversation earlier out here. Depending on how you were raised, I'm going to say some things that's probably going to be contrary to what you thought about communion. But if you bear with me, I think you're going to see that this is right. 1 Corinthians 11:27 says, So anyone who eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Man, that's hung a lot of people up through the years right there. Unworthily. They've taken that to mean that the person is unworthy. That's not what it's saying. Look at it. It's unworthily is an adverb. It's describing the actions of the person, not the person. It's the manner in which they take it. It's the manner. It's, that's what makes it unworthy is the manner, not the person. Because you've got to remember, if you're born again, you're okay with God. You are righteous in His sight. He's not holding your sins against you. So some, unfortunately, have turned this blessing of communion into a time of fear and misunderstanding. Just like I was growing up, I was afraid to take it. I was afraid to take it. And it goes on to say, that is why you should examine yourself before eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. For if you eat the bread or drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, this is what this is thinking. It's not, it's honoring the body of Christ. You're eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. And I think I left out a verse in the, my fault, not Donna's fault. I left out a verse in the bulletin with that verse 29 says, without honoring the body of Christ. When it's talking about examining yourself, like I said, I was taught to examine myself for sin. That's not what this is saying. What it's saying, the context is 
examining yourself for the right manner? Are you taking this in the right manner? Are you understanding what Jesus did for you? It's not about what you did wrong. The judgment they're talking about here, it can't be God's wrath and anger on us like some have taught because God's wrath and anger was poured out on Jesus at the cross. He's not pouring it out on you today. You know, he's not holding your sins against you. There's consequences for sin horizontally, but when you sin, it's not vertical. If you're a believer, God's not coming back and bashing you on top of the head. So this can't be talking about that. So what is it talking about? Well, that judgment is the Greek word krima, K-R-I-M-A, and I believe this is correct. I, I did a bunch of research on this, but it's talking about the divine sentence of sickness and death that came into the world through Adam's sin. That divine sentence that came in through Adam's sin where mankind, it, you know, has fallen mankind and we still have sickness and disease here. But if you don't, see, the, the thing is, if you're not renewing your mind to what Jesus did for you, if you're not believing that he's paid for your healing, then you're putting yourself back under that. You're, you're just living like everybody else. That's what this is talking about. It's not that you have sin in your life and God's going to whack you when you take the communion unworthily. And it goes on to say, he said, that is why many of you are weak and sick and some have even died. One reason many of you are weak and sick and some have died is that did not honor the body of Christ, did not discern, not that judge made them, that God made them sick and killed them. It's not that. It's that they didn't renew their mind to what Jesus did. They didn't remember what Jesus did. And so, therefore, they weren't participating in what Jesus did. That makes sense. That makes sense, Lori. She's my, she's my go-to. If I'm messing up, she'll tell me. But, you know, another translation says they did not discern the body. They did not discern the body. So, interesting thing here. Keep this in mind. Paul didn't say they didn't discern the blood, just the body. They didn't discern the body. The blood, I think everybody discerns. The blood was for the forgiveness of our sin. But the body, we've missed it. We've missed it. It was preventing them from receiving the divine health that Christ has provided. See, in order to receive we got to hear it, understand it, believe it, and then we can walk in it. It's not ever God withholding from us. If you're a believer, you're worthy to receive communion. You're worthy if you're a believer. And we have a commandment from Jesus to do this, to do this often, and do it in remembrance of Him. You know, your divine health comes from God. You know, I'm all about staying physically fit and trying. I don't always eat good, but I do work out. But I, I'm, we should be good stewards of our body. But our trust can't be in that. Our trust has to be in God. Your health comes from God. Your physical fitness you can do. But I'm going to tell you there's a lot of physically fit people that have killed over of a heart attack out jogging because their health comes from God. You've got to put your trust there. Communion is a reminder that Jesus carried our sicknesses and our pains on his body and were healed. It's a reminder that his pure and innocent blood has paid the penalty for your sins and we're forgiven and we've been set free. Jesus did a lot of miracles while he was on the earth. 
but he wasn't calming the sea all the time. He wasn't multiplying the bread all the time. But two things that he did all the time was healing people and forgiving people. Did them all the time. Do this at home. Do it often. Remember what he has done for you. The bottom line is your most influential spiritual preparation for life begins in your home. You know, we're going to take communion here in a minute. Before we do that, I want to give an invitation. If you're here and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, and you want to live in victory through this life, then I would welcome you to do that. If you all would bow your heads after we give an invitation, then we're going to do communion because the new believers, I want you all to have that opportunity to participate and remember what Jesus did. So if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, you just raise your hand. You just raise your hand because we would pray with you. You can receive him this morning. You can receive him this morning. Amen. Amen. All right, Father God, we just, uh, just repeat after me, everybody, believers and new believers today. Thank you, Jesus, for what you have done for me at the cross. I receive this today. I now have new life. Your death has given me new life. I believe that, and I receive it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. If y'all have a cup, if you didn't get one, raise your hand. We'll get, we got some back here that need a cup and some back over here. I'll wait just a second while y'all do that. We're going to take communion together. It's a time of remembering it's a time of thinking back. Jesus did this for me. I'm going to put all of my trust in him. We've got another one up here. All of my trust in him. I believe in what he has done for me. My trust is not in myself. My trust is not in a doctor. My trust is not in the economy. It's not in what's going on in the world today. My total trust is in him and him alone. That's where I live from. That's where I live in victory from. But if you would, if you can peel back that first layer on this cup, we'll take out that little piece of bread. It represents his body that was broken for you. He allowed that. He took your sicknesses and pains on his body through all that scourging. It was a great exchange that took place. Your sicknesses and pains for his health. Let's take this now in remembrance of him. Father, I thank you right now for the body of Jesus and what it represents. I thank you that he carried all of that on his body for me. My sins, my sicknesses, my pains, my emotional distress, he carried it all. And I come right now and I honor him and I remember him and I thank him for it that I have it in Jesus' name. Peel back that next layer for the cup. There was another great exchange that takes place. 
Jesus took our sins on his body. He carried our sins in exchange. We get his righteousness. We get his righteousness. And if there's ever a time to be grateful, it's now. So let's just take this. Father, I thank you right now for the blood of Jesus that has ushered in a new covenant, this covenant of grace where our sins are not held against us because he carried our sins for us. Our sins are forever removed as far as the east is from the west. That's what it says in Psalms 103. So we just thank you for that right now and we take this in remembrance of him. Amen. If y'all will stand up, I will pray over y'all. Father God, I just thank you this morning for everyone here. I thank you for everyone that has turned their heart to you. I know, Father, that you have great things in store for us. And as we remember you daily and we spend time in our homes searching for you, spending time talking to you, studying your word, great things come our way. So I just pray a blessing over everyone here this morning as they go out. And I pray that they would keep you forever in their mind, day and night. And we thank you for that in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Celebration Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.